Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. This is a special bonus episode with staff from the Corey Stringer Institute sharing tips for keeping athletes safe during this transition period as we go from summer into fall sports seasons. At least walking through, okay, if someone, you know, collapses on the field, where is our closest AED? Where's the cold tub? Where, like, and who's putting it on? Who's calling EMS? Do we have a way for EMS to get here? Like, all those things. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I am Scott Caulfield. Today, joining me in Washington, D.C. at the 2019 National Conference from the Corey Stringer Institute, Courtney Benjamin, Director of Communications, and Yasuki Segaguchi, Director of Athlete Performance and Safety. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having Thank us. us. Yeah, we're excited for you guys to be here. Um, if people haven't heard about the Corey Stringer Institute, if they've been under a rock, what uh, what can you guys tell them about it? Yeah, so I can start with this. Yeah. Uh, Corey Stringer Institute started. Um, Corey Stringer was an NFL football player, um, played for the Minnesota Vikings, and he passed away, unfortunately, from an exertional heat stroke. Um, And basically that kind of sparked his wife and uh, Dr. Casa is now the CEO of KSI um, to start this institute that basically focuses on research and advocacy and education for preventing sudden death in sport and optimizing performance. So we're housed at UConn. Cool. And so what, uh, as Director of Communications, your role is kind of spreading the message and the mission, obviously. What else is yeah, in your yeah. wheelhouse? Yep. So um, both Yeski and I, we kind of have a couple of different divisions at KSI. Yeski and I are both more on the performance side, obviously coming from strength and conditioning background. We yeah. work with a lot of athletic trainers, yeah. um, a lot of KSI's athletic trainers. There's a couple of strength and conditioning um, coaches, and then we also have some exercise physiology uh, researchers there as well. So we have a policy division that really focuses on um, enhancing high school safety policies um, at the high school level. And then we also have um, our heat lab that we do a lot of thermophysiology and nice. um, hydration research. Cool, very cool. And, and Yaski, what's kind of your primary role there? So we, as Connie mentioned, uh, we are working mainly with athletes, not just in a like, uh, lab setting, but also we are working with a lot of athletes in a field setting, monitoring athletes and improve performance. So we can just incorporate with uh, field data and uh, like lab data. That's our uniqueness of the KSI, of the performance divisions. Cool. And being at UConn, it, you're using the UConn athletes. Is that who you no, guys just, are serving? Uh, we, are working, we are working with uh, UConn athletes, but not just UConn athletes. Like all the like, professional athletes are coming okay. around the world to cool. testing or monitoring for the, our lab. Oh, wow. Super cool. And for those of you listening, Yasuki is from Japan, right? Yeah. And, and he's actually a former NSCA intern. Uh, spent some time with us. Want to talk a little bit about when you did your internship? And yes, so I originally from Japan. I did my undergrad in Japan, and after that, I came to the U.S. and I did my master at the University of Arkansas. And during my first years in the summer, I came to Colorado Springs for the interns. I spent uh, quite a bit, a lot of time there for the intern, and I work with uh, Scott and uh, like other coaches and athletes, and I had a great time and learned a lot of basics for the sports strength conditioning. That was a great time for me. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, it's always great to see you guys again. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, and you guys are both finishing your PhDs, right? Maybe just hit on that a little bit and what your kind of final projects are for that real yeah. quick. Yeah, so we both are going into our last year, so we'll the goal is to graduate in May yeah, of yeah. This, next, this next year. Um, so yeah, we're both um, actually doing our dissertation project um, sort of on the same, different questions obviously, but it's the same big, uh, we have 36 uh, pretty elite runners that we're bringing in um, to our heat lab and doing a heat acclimation study. So we're looking nice. at um, natural heat acclimation. So having them go and run on their own over the summer and then bringing them back into the lab um, in the fall to see if we can maintain heat acclimation. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, good luck with that. I know Thank that you, you guys are it's seeing the exciting. light at the Close end it. of the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, are you see? do you have any like uh, foresight that you can share on what you think you're going to find out here? <laughs> yeah, I think we can. So like a lot of research, previous research showing how to induce a heat acclimation piece. But when, if like, if they don't expose to the heat, they lose all the heat acclimation adaptations. Okay. Yeah. So we try to maintain those adaptations for a longer period of time okay. because a lot of athletes have to like move to the down for the com uh, competitions, yeah. but they have to train in the cold. So yeah, that's yeah. very important to maintain yeah. the heat acclimation adaptation. Right. But also, there are a lot of performance enhancement in the cold after the heat adaptation. So we try to improve not, not just safety as well as the performance performing in the heat and the cold. So cool. our primary goal is to maintain like heat adaptation for a longer period of time. Cool. And the whole Very way nice. we got to this was working with the women's cross-country team. Yeah, I heard you ask earlier about that we work with UConn yeah, athletes. Yeah, we yeah. were working with the um, UConn women's cross-country okay. team there, and that's kind of what sparked us into this project. We were cool. working with them the past couple of years. Um, we were bringing them into the lab a couple of times a week or one time a week um, to try to help them out with their competitions that were down and, you know, with our conference, they have like USF, right, Houston, right, right. all these places, yeah. and they're training up in Connecticut. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, great. And again, one of the big things we wanted to kind of kick off because uh, NSCA and KSI have been kind of trying to collaborate and see where we can do more stuff. And, uh, you know, the CSCCA and NSCA just came out with this joint consensus guidelines for transition periods. And so, I know there's some other documents too, uh, the inter association recommendations preventing catastrophic injury and death in collegiate athletes that the NATA put out. And, and I know you guys have know way more about this stuff than I do. So maybe um, what we could you know, look for some of the big key points that takeaways uh, you guys you know, see from both of those documents and the real practical application side for the coaches, especially they're listening in we're you know we're going to hopefully have this out in august really before football starting and when some of these tragedies have happened and really want people to be on the forefront so what are, what are the things they need to know yeah so um this document actually was put out by the ncaa the ncaa yep, okay. the inter-association recommendations okay. there is another document um i actually presented at an sca a couple of years ago, or last year, last year. Okay. Um, with the other document that you were talking about, there's another one that's yep. really good for coaches to look, go back and look at. That was a joint, um, you know, task force document that came out between the NATA and NSCA. Yep, that's that was the 2012. Document. Exactly. Okay, yep. Cool. So these three yep. that that we're going to be talking about today, those are kind of the big ones. If people just yeah. want some like good reads to yep. to make sure they're ready to go for preseason, yeah. those are the three that are really really helpful. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, basically, um, I think overall, it's all 
about planning ahead. Yeah. Generally, that's like the idea that I've gotten from all three of these documents. Um, I mean, we can dive in a lot deeper than that, obviously, right. but right. I know the first one of the first things that they talk about in that uh, CSCCA and NSCA uh, joint document is um, emergency action plans. That's right. one of the first things right. they right. dive into. Um, and I think that just kind of sparks everything else. If you don't have that piece in play and you don't have um, kind of the foreknowledge going into yeah. it, then nothing else is going to work out from there. So I don't know if you want to add anything yeah, else Yeah, that's, that. that's our first step, yes, obviously. Yeah, and I know that um, we have some examples of, like, emergency action plans, policies, and procedures on the NSCA website, do you, does KSI have some example stuff like that? If, if I don't have an emergency action plan and I just realize that I need it, can I go to your guys' site too to get some resources? You can. That? Yeah. Yep, we have a lot. Um, we have a lot of resources like that on our website. And if we don't necessarily, I know for emergency action plans we do, but um, even if there's other items, we'll at least have links that you can go to other people's resources as well. Yeah. Um, to find things like and that. We have sort of templates, and uh, like each institution has a different like location and different situation. So yeah. based on their like needs and opportunities, we can like collaborate with and modifying the, those emergency action plan based on the template. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. How about um, again this table that was in the um, document? You know, talking about some of the overview for trend after transition periods you guys want to just tee that up a little because i think there was some really good takeaways from that one yeah absolutely so i mean we know you know going working under dr casa for our phd and at ksi we both um, have gotten to take some really cool classes i think that have given us sort of a unique angle as strength and conditioning coaches because like i said we you know we're most of the time with athletic trainers yep. um, which is obviously super important for them to really get get a grasp right. on preventing sudden death but sometimes as strength and conditioning coaches, we get so focused on performance, performance, performance yeah. that we don't always get that lens. And so I think that's been um, super, super cool for us to get that lens. And so um, we took a class, uh, one of our first years of our PhD that really dove into individual cases nice. um, of, uh, you know, people who have had exertional heat stroke or suffered from cardiac death or um, sickling and things like that. Um, and that class, we learned so much about just the risk factors that go into yeah. why those things happen, what are yeah. the commonalities between the cases. And when you really start to dig into that and really like break it down, you start to see like, wow, there are a lot of similarities that go on between these cases. Yeah. And one of those being a lot of them happen during transition periods. Yeah. And so that's why I think, you know, that this table really that's focused on um, transition periods for the different activities uh, is so important for coaches to really understand and just, um, ha you know, have the background of, okay, wow, it really is transition periods. That's the that's the big piece that right. we really got to focus on. Yeah. yeah, of course, like people think like in the preseason, it's hot. So like there are a lot of like, exhaustional heat stroke or exhaustional heat events happening in the first few days. And uh, like exhaustional lab, though, it's not just only for the heat, uh, right. hot. Like after the like winter break, they are coming back to the practice. Right. But even though it's not hot, there are a lot of uh, like exhaustion allowed or happens. Yeah, yeah, right, because they haven't been training or they're possibly dehydrated or all of the above, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I know that obviously the immediate cooling, you know, is a big one as far as like if someone is, you know, in the initial stages, right, of heat stroke. Yep. Um, and that's a pretty like low-hanging fruit, right? Like that that's 
it's not cost prohibitive. It's pretty simple. Can you guys kind of give some like tips or examples of what that's supposed to look like? Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, you know, we have a, we have a couple of infographics and a lot of education about this on our website and we post stuff on our social media all the time about cool first transport second. That's kind of yeah. the motto that we always tell everyone. Um, you know, as strength and conditioning coaches, I don't want to try to pretend like we're medical professionals right. or, you know, say that we that we don't need athletic trainers because, of course, we do. Totally. Um, but I think, you know, as we all know, sometimes in the high school setting or in other settings, the athletic trainers just can't physically can't be everywhere. Sure. So at least having coaches that are on site that at least have the basic, you know, life-saving skills yeah. is crucial, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, we all know how to do CPR, right. or we should, right, we should. for the most right. part, right. and put on an AED. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, I think exactly like what you just said, it's so simple. Um, you know, we our, our motto that we talk about all the time, cool first, transport second, get them in an ice bath. Yeah. So uh, cool tub, um, super cheap. You can get them at Tractor Supply. Yeah, that's where we got ours. We have one. And again, you know, a lot of the time it just sits empty. Uh, but, you know, at the time of year when it needs to be, we can fill it up, put ice in it, have it ready. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I just think it's just having a tub all the time in the preseason for the first few days or just the entire preseason. That's really important. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and uh, yeah, I think it was like, you know, it's, I don't know, 50 to 70 bucks. Uh, you know, it was very very affordable in the big scheme of things um, yeah. and I think it's important too to just because I know when I first got into this world I was a little bit like you know it's it's a it's it can be a taboo topic a little bit um, right. when we're talking about how to treat an athlete um, and I so I do think it's important for people to really understand you know why those best practices and that gold standard is the way that it is um, and, you know I go, going back to talking about the body temperature we work with a lot with um, uh, EMS uh, as well, trying to get them on the same page yeah. because a lot of times, you know, they're trained to, as soon as they get to the field, transport the athlete to the hospital right away. Okay. And that's why we talk about cool first, then transport, yeah. because um, even as strength and conditioning coaches, you know, I know it gets in, it's very fuzzy world right now because you would never want to go to EMS and be like, oh, well, I'm, I know how to treat this, so you can't right. take them because that's just <laughs> right. opening yourself up. But yeah. um, at the same time, if you're talking about a life or death situation, like, man, it's it's really, really tough. And I can I know for people who are aware of, like, the gold standard way to treat it, it's, it's a tough situation because yeah. the reason you have to have body temperature, um, there's been a couple of cases that we talked about in that class that we were talking about yeah. earlier where, you know, if you just just put them in an ice bath without knowing their temperature right you if you take them out too soon yeah. they could still have complications they could right. still die I yeah. mean that and that's what we're talking about it's crazy yeah. when you're talking about life or death but if you don't know when to pull them out um, yeah. of the tub with that body temperature yeah, yeah. then you don't know yeah. so so that's that's our guy we don't have like a time thing it's exactly it's a temperature thing exactly okay. because if you don't know where they're starting like right. let's say someone's starting at 109 they may take 25 or 30 minutes sometimes longer okay. who knows to get down below the critical threshold where yeah. they're not inducing any more cell yeah. damage and what is what's that critical threshold number do we know it's, there uh, are two numbers are using in the research field but cns Dysfunction, dysfunction plus 40.5. 104. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's like if you're above that, typically is what people are saying is. Uh, got to get them in. Got to get them yeah. in the tub, yeah. Okay. And then typically pull them out at 102. 
is the normal i think i don't want don't quote me on that for yeah. the gold standard but you know that's typically you want to make sure that they're at least low enough that they're not um still having that dysfunction and so that's why we love supporting our athletic trainers because right. then when they're there they yeah. they they can you know take care of that stuff yeah. for I, us i think like in addition to uh the stuff Cody mentioned about the treatment as a strength conditioning coach, we have to very it's very important to recognize what the symptom looks like because yeah, yeah. like it take if it takes like 20 minutes or 30 minutes as Cody mentioned to recognize the exhaustion heat stroke, right. it's already delayed to treat yeah. even like so like acid trainer start tra uh, treatment. Yeah. The as strength conditioning like coach, if like we can just recognize the symptom earlier, yeah. we can like start treatment very quickly. Yeah, yeah, and again, more you know, more reason or you know, uh, significance to why having a great relationship with the medical staff and the strength conditioning staff, or you know, if they're separate, and a lot of times they're not. They, we're seeing them become more kind of unified. Um, but huge to why you have to work so closely with athletic trainers. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's part of what the the document I think talks some about that too. Is just the right. importance of establishing those good relationships between one another and communicating, and not only creating those emergency action plans and the things that you know we should have in place, but also practicing them. I mean, even right. if you don't go through the entire thing, at least walking through. Okay, if someone you know collapses on the field, where is our closest AED? Where's yep. the cold right. tub? Where like how, and who's putting it on? Who's calling yeah. EMS? Do we have a way for EMS to get here? Like all those things. If you don't talk about them, sometimes you forget, yeah, just like totally, anything else, totally, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, too, with, um, like you said, if an emergency happens, knowing who does what, who goes where, uh, that all, you know, can contained in that emergency action plan. How about talking to, you know, the sport coach about it, right? Because obviously they are the one dictating the practice. The, 99.9 percent .9 of the time maybe they're doing conditioning that falls under the strength coach but pretty much i think we can say that you know this is a lot of this stuff happens in, in sport practice for sure um any suggestions for how we bring this you know literature to those coaches to try and get them you know without just being like you need to read this because <laughs> that <laughs> probably doesn't go over that well depending on how yeah, you yeah that's a very good point so like <laughs> like First, I think just sharing the information with them and like first step is just knowing the like order. Some coaches like we are in this field, so we know this like all the symptom exhaustion, heat stroke, and lab doors. But if we are not in this field, it's so difficult to recognize yeah. it looks. So like first, we have to like share the information, what looks like symptom looks like, and like why this happens yeah and yeah. That, like after that we can start from there we can just uh, like make a like furang if they happens yeah yeah i know one of the items that's in the um nata and nsca document from 2012 that i love that i think is such a practical but important you know way to sort of mitigate that miscommunication that happens between coaches and athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches is um hopefully before the thing is like you know I'll, i'm sure all of us that are coaches or have we played at some point or we right. we've been involved in athletics for a while um so knowing that when you get um when you get 
uh, out there without having a plan. When yeah. you get out on the field without having a plan right. in place, that's a lot of times when, when these things happen, right? right? Because when you get out there and you're just like, oh, I think today we're going to do this, but if the athletes don't look, you know, absolutely dead enough, right. we're going to do a little bit more, or yeah, we're yeah. going to do a little bit less or whatever. Yeah. So um, I think going into get going into a meeting together before you ever get out on the field is one of the best things you can do because that's when everyone's calm, the emotions of, oh, we got to like really push and we're in training mode. Because yeah. I mean, I get that way when I'm out on the field right. or when, right. I, when I played soccer. I mean, that was my, that's what motivates you. When you're yeah. out on the field, you yeah, just yeah. want to push, push, push. But yeah. when you, when you're when you plan it ahead of time, yeah. when you're just, it's quiet, you have time to think, your brain's fully working, right. your emotions aren't all yeah. cranked up. Um, that's when I think the best communication can happen. So it can't, it can't just be five minutes before practice. Hey, yeah. it's, you know, pretty hot today. I think we should take it easy. Like that should be thought about right. weeks before, yeah. um, you know, going into what is our, what do we want our plan to look like? And then let's, let's stick to it. You know, I think, I know coaches don't always don't always like to do that, but I think right. at least having the conversation, it at least like plants a seed. Yeah. You know, like it yeah, plants yeah. that little seed in their mind that they might be start thinking that way. That helps that's not not just only for the safety, but also the performance. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that's such a great point. Cool. Well, this has been awesome. Um, if people, you know, okay, you we we spark their interest now. They know a little bit they heard uh can you guys just reiterate uh you know the key documents that you uh want to point out to people and also you know what else might be available at ksi uh for them as resources yeah so um you know the big one obviously is the cscca and nsca joint consensus guidelines for transition periods safe return to training following inactivity that's a really awesome one. Um, another one that recently came out from the NCAA is the Inter-Association inter Recommendations Preventing Catastrophic Injury and Death in Collegiate uh, Athletes. And then I think the other one that still is, you know, just a really, really good resource is the 2012 NATA and NSCA yeah. um, Joint Task Force yeah. uh, recommendations for preventing sudden death in collegiate conditioning sessions, I yeah. think is what it's called. Yeah. And I think there's one in uh, on the same basic title for secondary schools as yes. well. It was super close to that. There um, are. Yep. yep. There are and two again, of them. Uh, you mentioned before we started rolling to the NCAA Inter-Association Recommendations has a great checklist in it. So really uh, super simple. Yes, no. You know, so you can really evaluate what you're doing and how you're, you know, if, if your program meets these. So Exactly. Exactly. And then, yeah, people are always welcome to reach out to me or Yusky or really anyone at KSI, even if they just want to like have a conversation about, Hey, we're getting ready to you know, plan for our preseason. You yeah. know, can you guys take a look at our stuff? Like we're, we're happy to look at that and also use our friends, <laughs> our athletic right, training right, friends right. as resources to, yeah. to make sure that we're telling everyone, you know, the, the best practices yeah, too. Use so. your network. Totally. Absolutely. Well, thanks guys. I really appreciate you being on again. Big shout out to Doug Casa, your boss and you know, the head of the Corey Stringer Institute. Uh, We'll definitely have to get him on at some point. And I know he has a book, uh, a new book. Do you know the title off the top of your head? Um, it was something it's preventing heat illness or injury. Um, I don't. I have the book sitting on my desk, Doug. I'm sorry if you're listening <laughs> to this. But if you Google Doug Cosson heat, heat uh, illness, you'll find it anyway. And I'm sure it's on the KSI website too. Yeah, so and all, all the it's resources It's a super resource. Yeah, it's amazing. But 
again, um, we'll put your guys' contact info in the show notes so that people can reach out to you after this is over if they have more questions. But I really appreciate you guys spending the time and enjoy your rest of the time at the conference. Thank, Thank you. you very much. You were the beautiful talk. And as you know, we at the NSCA love research and especially applying that research. If you're not a member yet, join us and get access to the best strength and conditioning journals available. Just go to nsca.com slash membership. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. And to all of you listening, we appreciate your support. Uh, again, if you like the podcast, make sure that you subscribe wherever you download your podcast from. Write us a review and keep listening in. Look forward to talking with you all soon. Thanks. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.